you want a vision of the future, Winston, imagine a boot stamping on a human face forever. They will run you dizzy. They will pile falsehood on top of falsehood until you can't tell a lie from the truth and you won't even want to. That's how the powerful keep their power. Don't you read the papers? The world is a college of corporations inexorably determined by the immutable bylaws of business. The world is a business, Mr. Beale. It has been since man crawled out of the slime. Welcome to another episode of Our Interesting Times. It is my pleasure to have Dr. E. Michael Jones back on the show. He returns to discuss uh, an article he published in the June edition of Culture Wars, Through the Looking Glass, The, the, Ge- the Guilty Flea with, Will None Pursueth, The Plot Against America. It's a review of the Philip Roth novel, The Plot Against America, which was, uh, I think, just uh, back in March, was adapted to a movie on HBO, which the, the uh, article discusses. Because Dr. Jones is the editor of Culture Wars magazine and the author of many books, including the recently published Logos Rising, A History of Ultimate Reality. Dr. Jones, how are you doing this evening? Good, Tim. How are you? Very well. Thank you for coming back on the show. You're welcome. And, well, uh, before we get in, into the, this article that you, that you wrote, uh, I'd like to get your, your comments on the uh, apparent cultural war or revolution cultural revolution that the country is experiencing we kind of touched on it last time we talked earlier this month but then we were about a week into these riots that seemed to have been stoked back then it was uh more of a racial thing uh black people rioting uh, for supposedly for justice uh, in the wake of the george floyd incident but right. then it's, it's sort of morphed into a broader uh, cultural war where uh this we have this iconoclasm with statues being torn down not just the founding fathers and the and confederate statues but you know statues of of christian missionaries catholic missionaries uh sean king who is one of the founding members of black lives matter i think he was kicked out for being too white or something but he he wants to destroy have all white images of jesus christ destroyed you know destruction of uh of stained glass windows perhaps burning churches so we're it's taking on sort of a spanish civil war type <laughs> color to it uh so what, what what's your take what's going on yeah i think we're in the middle of a revolution i, I think that it's perfectly clear at this point and uh, the statues are uh the best uh, symbolic presentation of that um you're right they started off uh with uh you know civil war uh slavery 
Robert E. Lee. That was the issue in Charlottesville in 2017. That caused the big riot where Antifa was allowed to basically attack the the white boys and the white boys got blamed for being attacked. Uh, but it now it's expanded. And the best place, I think, uh, to talk about the expansion is St. Louis, uh, because the issue in St. Louis is the statue of St. Louis. <laughs> the uh, uh, Louis the Ninth, the uh, the only saint uh, of uh, leader of France, uh, lived in the 13th century. Uh, and uh, I know this will come as a surprise to you, Tim, but he didn't own slaves. <laughs> he didn't have a cotton plantation in Paris in the 13th century. So what what's going on here? What's going on here? Well, it turns out that he burned the Talmud. And I think this is significant because now we have the real actors emerging from behind the scenes. All of this uh, shadow boxing that's been going on before this time was really a prelude anyway. Uh, if you if you look at the iconography of the last uh, the cause of the last riots, it's uh, a cop in Minneapolis, kneeling on a black man. Now, we all know uh, what that means because we're all Americans. We all go to public school where we learn about Martha Luther King, Rosa Parks, and the Holocaust. And that's pretty much all you learn. Uh, and we learn that cops are uh, brutal oppressors, and they're, if they're white, they're racist. And we know that black people are all victims. Uh, and so we have here another pretext for a, a spate of rioting, which is exactly what happened, as if on schedule. Uh, only this time it was much more serious all across the country. It even led to occupation of the uh, uh, inner city of uh, Seattle, six square blocks, declared itself an autonomous country until they got laughed at, uh, ran out of food within 24 hours. Uh, but not before one man got killed, uh, bled to death because uh, the, the uh, medics wouldn't go in after he was shot. So we have a, a, a revolutionary uh, situation here. Uh, but uh, the, the actors aren't really clear. Uh, so you show that picture to a Palestinian and he sees the knee hold. And the knee hold uh, is the way Israeli forces subdue Palestinians, kneeling on the neck. And it turns out that that's what was happening here. Uh, the Minneapolis police force was taken to a seminar given by uh, Isra Israeli agents, uh, Shin Bet, uh, IDF, whatever, uh, in Chicago in 2012. And that's where they learned uh, the knee hold. Uh, among other techniques, they learned also that you treat your fellow citizens the way uh Israelis treat Palestinians. So you learn attitudes toward your fellow citizens as well. Now, that's the white guy side of it. The black guy side of it is, uh, well, it's Black Lives Matter. And Black Lives Matter uh, is funded by George Soros. So what you have here is Jewish revolutionaries funding both sides of this equation and completely invisible. So the difference now with St. Louis is now they're visible. Now we have this thing out in the open, even though you do, it does take some time to examine the thing. And this, it's clear that this revolution has no, um, what should I say, immediate goal. 
it's not like uh, the riots uh, in the Middle Ages that turned out to be bread riots because there were two, they weren't earning enough money and they wanted a raise and so they rioted and once you, the wages came up, the end of the rioting. No, this is global. This is the Jewish revolutionary spirit. This is a, an attempt that's been going on for 2,000 years, basically to overthrow the social order. Now, what has happened over the past 30, 40, 50 years, however long you want to talk about it, let's take it 1965 uh, as the beginning, the end of the Second Vatican Council, the uh, breaking down of the Hollywood Production Code, uh, the legalization of contraception with Griswold versus Connecticut, all of those things happened in 65. What happened is that the revolutionaries took over various institutions over this period of time, and they hold them now to this day. Uh, It's one of the institutions, main institutions they took over was the universities. And so what you're seeing now is the universities have trained a whole generation, more than one generation now. Uh, Jenny Durkin, uh, the lesbian mayor of Seattle who let the, the city spiral out of control, is a graduate of Notre Dame in 1980. This is when I arrived. This is one year after I arrived at South Bend, Indiana, and I was teaching during that year at uh, St. Mary's College. I began life as an educational reformer because I thought this is important. We have to stop this. We have to nip this in the bud because if these people take over education, they take over the next generation. Well, uh, I got fired for my pains. Uh, That doesn't mean I was wrong. I think I was right. And I think what happened is exactly what I feared would happen. The revolutionaries took over every educational institution in this country. They trained generations now of of young people, and they've completely turned them into, uh, they've infected them with the Jewish revolutionary spirit. And it's reaching its fruition now uh, as we speak. So what? Let, let's just talk about two things that happened today. Okay, Reddit banned Donald Trump. <laughs> President of the United States. President of the United States because he engaged in hate speech. Now, this is a revolutionary act. Uh, let's we, First of all, we're, we're a little bit bewildered, I think, because we're dealing with new technology. Like, what the hell is Reddit? Whoever knew what Reddit was? Mm-hmm. You know, well, it's a means of communication. So let's put it this way. What would have happened in some banana republic if uh, one group of people took over the radio station. Yes. That would, pr- and, and then they banned the president from speaking over the radio. What would we call that? We would call that a coup d'etat. We or would call went, Or if they went into the libraries and burned all the books they didn't agree with. Yes. That's so what Amazon this, does uh, uh, virtually, yeah. Yes. Uh, that's so, or back, back to, to, back to St. Louis, one of the, the, uh, the grievances here is that St. Louis uh, burned the Talmud. Uh, yes, he did. He did because he was told to by the uh, head of the Dominican order and the Pope because they put the book on trial and they found that it did include those blasphemies that Nicholas Donan mentioned to the Pope when he first met him. Now, what's the difference between then and now? Well, now you can't have a trial. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, I found that out uh, last week when all of my books were taken down from Amazon. No, no warning, no nothing. Now, wait a minute. Before there was, there was something a little bit uh, because I had a 
uh, on Kindle, Amazon Kindle, which is another new technology uh, called eBooks. I had an eBook called Jewish Privilege. I was warned, and they to- they told me they said it has to come down. I took it down. Then I wrote a review of an Amazon Prime movie called Hunters series, uh, in which uh, we have it's kind of Jewish uh, revenge porn where uh, Al Pacino is the Nazi hunter and he gives license to people to kill anybody they suspect of being a Nazi. No questions asked. Uh, You're guilty if they think that you are what you are, even if you're not. Uh, And he says, it's not, uh, it's not uh, murder. It's mitzvah. Well, this is hate speech. I hate to say this, but this is not only hate speech, it's incitement to violence which should be illegal. Now, I got banned from Amazon for objecting to Jewish hate speech. This is a sign that the revolution is proceeding apace. It's also a sign that basically uh, the the radio station, the troops have surrounded the radio station and the radio station is now under rebel control. That's what's happening right now. Now, the other thing that happened today or yesterday is that uh, this? We after we thought that uh, there is just going to be this farcical uh, street theater about the statue of St. Louis. No, things got serious in St. Louis. Actually, they got serious at the demonstration because it turned into there was a fight there. But in St. Louis, I haven't seen the video, but uh, a, a, a mob of people breaks into a gated community and marches on a man's house. The man has to come out, and there's a standoff with the man defending his house with an AK-47 or well, I'm sorry, whatever, AR-15, whatever, it is, automatic rifle. And let me guess, the police were nowhere to be found. They're no, well, no, there are no police. Yes. Where are the police? Why, well, we need the police because if there are no police, we all have to arm ourselves and, and we have to shoot people before they break into our house. Well, that's almost what it came to. Now, I've heard, again, this is, not, this is just happening today, so it may not be substantiated, but I hear the city's going to press charges against the man who was wielding the weapon to defend his house. But what is it about gated community the, uh, the marchers didn't understand? Uh, they did understand, I think. This, <laughs> this, first of all, this is a serious, serious escalation. Mm-hmm. This is a much greater escalation over, let's say, what happened in Chicago two weeks ago where Antifa uh, looted the Gucci store or whatever they did. Uh, that was that's serious. That cannot be tolerated. But we had a, you have a lesbian, a black lesbian mayor who identifies with the criminals. Mm-hmm. It's obvious. And she sent the police in. I got this from this is going to be in the July, August issue of Culture Wars. But. Uh, testimony of a cop who was there on the scene, the police were sent in and told to deploy and stand down at the same time. What does that mean? Are you offering them up as lambs to the sacrifice? Well, that's certainly what happened because they were totally unprepared. They were not wearing riot gear. And you had this ferocious Antifa mob that basically isolated small groups of cops. And uh, fortunately, no one died. But 500 cops were injured, all because you have a lesbian mayor who is, let's be honest here, she's a revolutionary. So the revolutionaries have not only taken over the radio station, which is to say 
Amazon, uh, Google, and Reddit, and Reddit, Twitter is banning Trump. Has Twitter banned Trump yet? Well, Reddit did ban Trump for hate speech, and they have a justification. So the revolutionaries have taken over the radio station, and they've taken over certain cities, uh, and and uh, public order is disappearing. It's yeah, disappearing. There was, there was an account in uh, Fredericksburg, a city of 25,000 residents, uh, where there was a protest uh, and a mother was driving down the street with her child in the car. And this is a uh, Tucker Carlson talked about this on his show and the mob jumped on her car and started jumping on the hood and trying to get, break the window. And she called the police and the dispatcher said that the, the police won't be, won't be sent because the event that she was experiencing was sanctioned by the city. And if she has any complaints to take it up with city hall, Thank I'm you. Jo- I'm not joking. And then she's on the phone with a kid in the car and the woman is flabbergasted. You could hear it in her voice. She's just a woman, you know, with a child in the car trying to get home. And she's told to not to run over anybody to try to get away. Well, these protesters uh, are in the street. She has the right of way uh, and they're creating a dangerous situation. But then she gets no help from the local authorities. In fact, they're encouraging. It. And then after this uh, uh, got some publicity, the mayor of the city, a woman, uh, apologized to the protesters. Yes. No, this is serious. If you have a mayor, if you have a female mayor, you can kiss public order goodbye. That's that's precisely the situation in uh, in St. Louis. Mm -hmm. But so so it, it is the situation in Chicago and it is the situation in Seattle. Both of those cities have lesbian mayors. Okay, both of those lesbian mayors were appointed as U.S. attorney to their respective districts by President Obama. So Obama created this revolutionary cadre, uh, uh, which then got into politics, which then took over the cities, and they are not enforcing the law. They are not enforcing the law. Well, the first thing any uh, official has to do is to enforce public order. That is the first and only thing. And if you're not doing it, you should be deposed. Okay. So instead, you have these situations like the one you mentioned where the cops are taking a knee, uh, a knee before Black Lives Matter. This is a revolutionary situation. There's no other word to describe it. We're talking about, uh, you know, the mutiny at, uh, you know, in St. Petersburg uh, or where the, the czar orders out the troops and the, and the you know, the, the ship starts bombarding the, the, the czar's palace. Mm-hmm. Does Trump, is Trump able to uh, command uh, the troops? Uh, it it seems that he held the line in Washington, from what I can tell, uh, because he was able to deploy his own troops there. And now uh, the word is today that there are four of the people who tried to tear down the Andrew Jackson s- statue are now going to be prosecuted. They've been arrested and they're going to be prosecuted. And if they're found guilty, they will uh, spend 10 years in jail. That's one, one way to stop it right there, because these these people aren't brave. No, of course no, you can no. stop this. Of course you can stop this. But there, you're, if you're talking about a lesbian mayor, you do not want to stop it. No, you, so, no you're right. You, you have uh, agents throughout, uh, you know, in various governor's mansions and, and, uh, and, and, and slotted, you know, police chiefs and mayors in various cities who are agents of discord. Yeah. Yes, and they've taken over the, the, the provinces. And so the question is, uh, to what extent is... Uh, Donald Trump in charge because everything is aimed at Donald Trump 
And I think everything that we've experienced this year is part of this revolutionary ferment. And I'm talking, first of all, about banning people uh, from YouTube, uh, the, the purge of uh, dissident voices from alternative media, uh, followed by the COVID virus, which is still, Fauci is still trying to promote that as a way of disrupting the social order. The lesbian uh, attorney general uh, of uh, Michigan, along with the uh, governor, uh, is what has one of the severest lockdown states because uh, they see this as a political opportunity. Yeah, we also noticed a trend where a lot of these public health commissioners in the various states, they almost inevitably end up being transgendered. You mean like the guy in Pennsylvania? And uh, and Washington, I think. <laughs> or that's that's the county commissioner in Washington. Would you would you trust this man or woman, whatever, yes. yeah, with yeah. Uh, the health of your gerbil? <laughs> I hate to laugh at it because it's very serious, but it's so the situation is so absurd. Um, and you know, same situation in New York where De Blasio has conspired to destroy New York City, and of course you have Cuomo up there too, who's now trying to institute a completely illegal tri-state quarantine with his. Uh, with his, uh, uh, with the, you know, with Murphy, New Jersey, uh, and the governor of Connecticut, and it's completely illegal. It's unenforceable. Yet they're trying to uh, normalize these types of things because they're trying to impose some sort of post-COVID tyranny, uh, the new normal, a new abnormal, if you will. Right. That yeah. those regulations in New York and New Jersey have been struck down by the judges there. Yeah, there's. I heard there's an injunction against. It. Yeah, but listen, just just for. Just for proposing those things, those three uh, governors should be impeached and, and you know frog marched out of the, their their respective mansions for that. Uh, uh, but then again, you have a legislature in New York which uh, had a standing ovation when they passed the uh, you know the nine month post nine month abortion legislation. Yes. Yes. So let's let's get let's get to the heart of this matter. Okay. What is what what are, what are we talking about here in terms of the maybe not the heart but the soul? Okay. Uh, we're talking about practical reason here, okay? And you have a conscience, and your conscience has certain precepts to it. Certain precepts of the moral law form your conscience, okay? So let's take the Ten Commandments as the classic example of this. Okay, there's a, a lady by the name of Anne Hendershot, and she wrote a book called The Politics of Deviance, and she said in that book that deviance is constant. Now, what she meant is there's never going to be a time when there is no such thing as right and wrong. However, you can change the parameters of what is right and wrong. And I'm saying, OK, you can change it. But that's what how what what happens when you do that? So I'm saying that your conscience is formed by the moral law, the ten, the ten commandments, the precepts you understand as right or wrong. When you say deviousness is constant, what I'm trying to do is give you a, a picture here. So let's say let's get rid let's get rid of one of the Ten Commandments. Let's get rid of the one that people like the least, uh, the Sixth Commandment: "Thou shalt not commit adultery." Okay. Now, if you remove that, uh, deviance is constant. That means you create a vacuum, and that vacuum will be filled immediately. It will be filled immediately by another precept. Now, it can't be a precept of the moral law because you've already taken that away. It will become a precept of political correctness, which has always been a substitute for the moral law. So it will be a precept that masquerades as morality uh, when it is really just uh, an ideology. So what is the main precept 
that will uh, take the place of the Sixth Commandment. In the United States of America, it will be the Civil Rights Movement. Because the Civil Rights Movement is America's civic religion. That the is, yeah, the official morality of the state, yeah. The official morality of the state, which is, uh, which is basically the, the, the curriculum of every public, uh, every public school in this country is the civil rights movement. And this is why homosexuals and feminists adopt that model. Right. Because so, so what, do, what do you mean by the civil rights movement? What do you mean by that? You mean Martin Luther King, if you're a male, or Rosa Parks, if you're a female. And what do they have in common? They can break the law in the name of some type of higher good. So it turns out that a poll just showed 60% of all people in their 20s believe that it's right to break the law for some higher good. Well, then the question is, who gets to define what the higher good is? And that the answer to that is the state. Okay, state education. Uh, the st now, we mean by the state. We should also say, well, let, let's take a step back from there. That's too imprecise. What we mean is the oligarchic control of the state. The, the regime. I guess. The regime. That's, yeah. what, that's what we mean. Uh, that's, uh, that's what you learn uh, because you go to school. That's what you learn by watching Amazon Prime, uh, which now has a movie out called Cracker, Cracker which is uh, basically a justification of black violence against white people. Uh, did, did, did Quentin Tarantino direct it? No. <laughs> well, the, you know, this is the type of stuff that we yeah. happens all the time. Is he, he directed Inglorious Bastards, didn't he? Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, that uh, uh, Amazon Hunters is basically a combination of Inglorious Bastards and Steven Spielberg's Munich. And Django Unchanged. We're killing white people, getting paid for it. I love it. Was yeah. a line in that movie, yeah. 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 This is a type of this is a type of thing. We have been fed this repeatedly because the revolutionaries have taken over all of the means of communication. Well, it's this way, could you say not the state, we're talking about the regime, because we're not talking about explicit government, you know, alphabet suit government agencies that have at least uh, ostensibly uh, are there to protect public order. It's it, this is being enforced at at the corporate level too, with it, Human resource policy, or even even uh, like Amazon or or Google and YouTube censoring, uh, or even corporations now lavishing a radical terrorist group like Black Lives Matter. Um, you know, you know, you know I, don't, I don't think there's a Fortune 500 company who hasn't given a million dollars to Black Lives Matter now. Right. Have a, you know, so yeah. Right. So so the the uh, so what you have is a situation now where these tech giants, tech giants like Google, are more powerful than government. And the classic example is Ireland. We did an article on how Google conquered Ireland. Mm -hmm. And the answer, it's very simple. They did it by uh, referendum, which basically overthrew the Constitution. They just overthrew the Constitution uh, because they controlled the flow of information. And did they you um uh, did you uh, 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 see ever read uh, the Black Lives Matter? There, what we believe. Yes, manifesto? I did. It's all well, uh, it's all homosexual transgenderism. So why would Black Lives Matter uh, be promoting global homo? And th maybe this explains why they have corporate you know, backing, right? Well, of course they do. I mean, are you saying all black people are looters? All black people are queer transgender. This is ridiculous. Yeah, they, it's, it's a pretext. 
It's a pretext. Candace Owens figured that out. She got her uh, Candace Owens stood up and said, wait a minute, I'm black. I'm blacker than those people there. uh, Who said this is what I, uh, you know, who said this determines my behavior? Who gives these people, who gives these people the right to speak for black people? Well, it's exactly the same thing as white people. These are two fictions that get imposed on reality as a way of controlling the, the political outcome. Yeah, because the, obviously the dialectic is now for white people to circle the wagons, right? I mean, if they have the agency to do even that, because they've been brainwashed to, feel, to be guilty and to be uh, at the same time altruistic towards those who hate them. And yeah, yeah, this ideology has been created. Um, yeah, did you did you see uh, Rob McCann, CEO of Catholic Charities, uh, announcing that he I'm a racist and I you know kind of uh, virtue signaling about how bad. The Catholic Church is when it comes to racism. This is a classic example of people internalizing the commands of their oppressors. I mean, I, 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 I've mentioned it before, but there's a scene in uh, that German Hitler movie, Untergang, or uh, Downfall, where everything's collapsing in Berlin and the soldiers are leaving, but the, the other soldiers are trying to prosecute them for desertion. And so they catch one guy and they line him up against the wall. And right before they shoot him, he goes Heil Hitler or Zig Heil or something yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's what these Catholics yeah. are doing. You know, they're, this is Rob McCann saying Zig Heil right before the Nazis shoot him. This is it's 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 a revolutionary situation. That That's what we're seeing. There is a um, article I just read just before I uh, signed online today. And it was... Um, this is, uh, uh, I guess, USA Today. Not just Confederate statues. Indigenous activists want conquistadors and missionaries removed. As Confederate statues and symbols are removed nationwide, activists are calling for monuments to those who contributed to the genocide of the indigenous people to be toppled as well. It is an act of violence to, ha- to even have the statues in our homeland, said Alina Ortiz, chair of the Santa Fe Freedom Council of the Red Nation, a social justice organization. <laughs> it's not just a statue, but it's what it represent, re- represented, the celebration of our genocide. The conquistadors brought with them not only these weapons of mass destruction, uh, but also the imposition of the Catholic Church and the imposition of a patriarchal government on peaceful matrilineal societies. Those colonially imposed systems exist to this day, and it impacted generations. I guess she's thinking of the Aztecs as being that, peaceful. There was, there was a peaceful matrilineal society if there ever was one. <laughs> but her if name's that already... lady, If that lady said something like that in, in Mexico City, they would have marched her up the pyramid and cut her heart out. <laughs> her name's last name's Ortiz, by the way. That's a Spanish name. Yeah, why does she have a name like Ortiz? Yeah. Why didn't uh, she uh, take it to... Why doesn't she name, change her name to Quetzalcoatl or something like that? <laughs> You know, as you, and as you've pointed out, the only reason you know one of the the, the one indigenous language that does perdure is Guarani. That's because the Jesuits taught them how to how to write, gave them a written language. That's right. Catholic missionaries. And, That's right. But again, you have this uh, this whole broad. This, they're, they're trying to erase not only the United States but Western civilization. That's I mean, that's what that's what they're trying to do here. I mean. Uh, now I don't know if that's the intent of their backers, but when you you think of a broad Western anti-Christian rebellion what group do you think of well if you look uh, at both uh, st. Louis and Minneapolis it's the Jews mm-hmm. it's the Jews the Jews uh, were behind both sides of that uh, struggle in, in Minneapolis 
uh, the ADL sponsored uh, seminars for the Minneapolis Police Department where people like the officer there learns the knee hold. Mm-hmm. They do this every police, every police department in the country is subjected to this terrorizing by the ADL. Uh, either you go along with our plan to Israelify your police department or we'll call you an anti-Semite and destroy your career. That was behind that, and as I've already said, Black uh, uh, Soros is behind Black Lives Matter, and that's the black part of the equation. So you have Jews working both sides of the street, creating race war in the United States, and nobody's allowed to identify them. Same thing in, in St. Louis. you got this guy, this Muslim, claims to be a Muslim, uh, Umar Lee. Well, I mean, I have never seen a more philo-Semitic Muslim in my entire life. I mean, he's not talking about uh, the Israelis uh, occupying the West Bank, annexing the West Bank. No, all he talks about is how bad it is that uh, Leo the, Louis the Ninth burned the Talmud. And he even got the idea of uh, protesting the statue from a group of Jews who were there a couple of years ago, did the same thing. That's one side. And then the Catholic champion uh, is a guy by the name of Jim Hoft who runs, he's a conservative, he runs a thing called Gateway Pundit, and uh, he's the proudest, thing, the, the picture he's proudest of is him shaking hands with Benjamin Netanyahu. It's on his, the masthead of his website. And he basically uh, patrols his uh, website, making sure no one makes uh, untoward comments about Israelis or Jews. So you got Jewish control of both, both of these, both parties here, and the, what, what are they trying to orchestrate? Conflict. Racial conflict, religious conflict, ethnic conflict, that's what's going on. And if you bring it to anyone's attention, you're getting banned. It's, it, it's that simple. Did you get a chance to uh, read the uh, open letter that Vagana, Cardinal Vagana wrote to Donald Trump? Yes, I did. Um, well, I mean, he he's pretty much calls it out for what it is. He uses the language of deep state, and he talks about these various forces you know, uh, that are calling for violence and these uh you know and social discord and revolution and um so uh, at least there's uh, uh uh one prince of the church who recognizes this that- well to, uh, to be honest with you i was disappointed in the letter mm-hmm. because he said it was freemasons oh <laughs> yes aren't those the guys that wear fezes and ride around in go-karts and then then albert pike got torn down <laughs> he's a freemason right the statue He's the one Confederate statue in Washington, D.C. He got torn, torn down by the mob. And, and then he attacked uh, the Second Vatican Council mm-hmm. uh, uh, without any sense of what was really going on at the council. Did he mention Malachi Martin uh, and, Nost- uh, and his role uh, as agent for the AJC and B'nai B'rith in subverting uh, what came to be Nostra Tate? Did he mention that? No. No, he doesn't because he probably doesn't know it. Well, it's, this is the problem of again of the uh, of the post councillor church being constitutionally unable to address the Jewish question, right? I mean, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's the main. So the main force in St. Louis uh, who has a say on this thing would be the Catholic Church, uh, and and this guy, these revolutionaries, know that the Catholic Church has been completely co opted on the main issue here. Uh, which is it's a Catholic Jewish conflict. The, the 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 Muslim I mentioned is forever trying to portray it as a racial conflict. So he said that the people were 
who were going to defend the statue were going to, uh, they were white supremacists who came from uh, Charlottesville. <laughs> and, yeah, that- he, and then you look at the tweets, his, his tweets are public record. He knows they're Catholics. He, he ridicules them for yeah. praying the rosary. People write back to him and say, no, we're not white supremacists. We're Catholics who are going to pray the rosary. He yeah, knows it's, that. It's easier to condemn them as white than to condemn them as Catholic. Well, that's the whole point. Yeah. Uh, the point is, if you identify as white, I mean, this is the lesson of Charlottesville. If you identify as white, you lost, you lost because you have no rights. Mm-hmm. You know, however, if you identify as Catholic, it's not the same situation. And so that explains why this... Uh, Umar Lee is constantly uh, lying about who he's, who his opponents are. He's constantly referring to them as white people. That's not what they are. They're Catholics who are defending a Catholic saint, okay, and the city they work in. Now, it works the same way on the other side of the street, okay? So now you've got the Catholic champion who also happens to be a homosexual, uh, who idolizes BB Netanyahu, and he's calling the people on the other side Marxists. <laughs> well, this is interesting because this gets us into your article here, uh, because you, you kind of talk about this uh, uh, sort of the mixing of Marxists and how Marxism, socialism, and communism was, and Bolshevism was a Jewish enterprise largely. In this article, uh, you. Uh, Yes, it's a reviewer discussion of Philip Roth's book, The Plot Against America. And um, well, uh, first of all, before you get into it, um, uh, you, you write about Philip Roth, you write about Charles Lindbergh and, Char- and uh, uh, Charles Coughlin and also Henry Ford. Um, who was Philip Roth? He was a, a Jewish writer. He got uh, born in the 1930s. Uh, his big splash came in 1969 when he wrote uh, Portnoy's Complaint, which was a completely outrageous book. Which was adapted uh, uh, and became uh, Andy Hall, right? 1977. Yeah, that was Woody yeah. Allen basically yeah. stealing Portnoy's Complaint. And then there was a Jewish lady, Erica Jong, who did Fear of Flying, which was the female version of Portnoy's Complaint. Mm-hmm. But basically, Portnoy's Complaint was uh, a just, uh, it was uh, in some sense funny. It was in some sense funny. I mean, he's there talking about uh, how uh, she put the id back in yid and the oi back in goy. You know, it was a little bit funny. Uh, uh, But uh, it was also you could see the animus right there. And the animus came out. Oddly enough, he just hated uh, quiz shows Uh, like uh, the quiz show uh, 21, and then there was another one called The $64,000 Question. There's a movie, Robert Redford made a movie called Quiz Show in the early 90s. Brilliant movie. A very, a very good movie, actually. I recommend it. It was a very good movie. And it, it, it at, in this movie, this is right out of Portnoy's complaint, uh, but because there's a, a Jew who is a lawyer for the Justice Department, and he's full of, he went to Harvard Law School, and he's full of resentment at the WASP ruling class that allowed him to come in you know, and go to their school. And it comes out in a subtle way in this movie, but it comes out in a very overt way with Philip Roth in, in Portnoy's complaint. But as I say, yeah, so, so who, you look at it and it's a period piece because it shows you the respect that a figure like Mark Van Doren had. 
He was a poet and also a professor at Columbia. It was his, his son, Charles, who was the big star. And it turns out that Charles was cheating on his stupid quiz show. And the Jews loved it because it allowed them to discredit the WASP ruling class. Mm-hmm. Why, why are you so angry at people, something insignificant as that? Well, it's only grown. And, and the more accolades that were heaped onto the head of Philip Roth, the more angry he became at this culture and the more uh, uh, racially uh, uh, obnoxious he became. He became a complete uh, Jewish bigot. And, and he would talk about how, it was, how he hated the Japanese, for example, and how this was virtuous on his part, that he hated the Japanese. That's in uh, what's a book called something Sabbath and Sabbath theater. I think I think that's what it's called. So by the time he ended up, the, the plot against America is the last book he wrote. So after heaping him, praising him way beyond what he deserved, all Roth can do is turn on the America that lionized him and say they are all a bunch of crazy anti-Semites and has this bizarre fantasy about people like Lindbergh taking over the country and setting up concentration camps for Jews. Now what's the context for this, of course, is the, uh, the big battle in 1940-41 by America's entry into the Second World War. Of course, Charles Lindbergh was a champion of American First, uh, non-intervention. He gave a speech in Des Moines, Iowa, which was, was correct, but, he, it, but he, he was the last, as you say in the article, he was the last public figure to actually mention the Jews as a group, as a political power in, in America. Right. And for that, he paid a dear price for it. He did. Um, Complete but, persona non grata. By the way, just to bring this up to date, after our uh, Muslim friend Umar Lee uh, tears down the statue of King, uh, King uh, Louis IX, he's going to go after Lindbergh Boulevard. There is still a Lindbergh Boulevard in St. Louis. <laughs> um, Spirit of St. Uh, Louis, yes. The citizens named out of gratitude to Charles Lindbergh because he named his airplane the Spirit of St. Louis. Because that's where his backers came from. Yes, that's, I mean, at some point, uh, uh, the uh, America, Heritage America is going to have to say no more. Yes. Maybe, maybe no moss to get somebody, get the... His. That's right. And so we're, we're reaching a crisis. Yes. Uh, uh, fast approaching. In November, the crisis is going to take place. If Trump gets reelected, uh, there will be uh, basically a coup d'etat. Uh, that's if if it if it gets that far. Well, I mean, it's that's all the the riots, the protests, that even the whole pandemic scamdemic hoax is is all part of this. So you know, it is yeah. the oligarchs are pulling out all the stops. They're focused on Donald Trump, but uh, Donald Trump is just a a lieutenant, a placeholder for the people who voted for him. Mm-hmm. The deplorables. Remember the deplorables. This was Hillary Clinton's word for anyone who voted for Donald Trump. It was a fantasy of her imagination, but that doesn't mean that they don't hold grudges against these people. Oh, they they hate they hate uh, they hate us. <laughs> so, but back to the uh, this article, uh, Chris. This is the, you know America First, nineteen forty. So this is a, a novel. The novel, uh, you know, kind of is an, a, an attack on Charles Lindbergh. It also uh, Father Coughlin, and also Henry Ford. So uh, let. Why are, why are they a target of his of, of Roth's, uh, you know, venom? Because each one of these people in his own way objected to what they saw as the Jewish uh, hegemony, the creeping Jewish hegemony over American life, exercised largely by the two coasts 
by Wall Street and Hollywood. They had the temerity to name this group of people. And also they had the temerity to say that Bolshevism was a Jewish phenomenon. That uh, got them in trouble. So uh, Father Cochran gave a famous speech about the Kristallnacht, which was uh, the Nazi attack on Jewish businesses in Germany. And he said, you know, I'm not going to defend this. This is deplorable. But if you're holding Christianity responsible for what the Nazis do, why aren't we allowed to hold the Jews responsible for what the communists do? Well, he was right, of course. And by then, they had done, done awful lot of you know, in Hungary and in Russia. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, let's 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 be honest here. Uh, the 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 revolution took place in November of 1917. One month later, Lenin formed a group called the uh, Extraordinary Committee for Combating uh, Counter Counter Revolution and Terrorism, and the the short term for that became the Cheka. The Cheka unleashed an unbelievable reign of terror on the Russian people, by which I mean the Christians of Russia. It was a Jewish operation. The Cheka was Jewish uh, because uh, they found out that uh, they couldn't get Russians to basically torture uh, other Russians, uh, and Jews had no compulsion about that whatsoever because they viewed of their fellow Russians in the same way that Israelis view Palestinians or Jews view the Goyim, which is to say uh, as untermenschen, subhuman. And so they had no compunction in killing them. So one of the uh, first films to come out after the fall of communism, uh, 1992, was a film called The Czechist. And it, it shows in brutal detail uh, how these people just rounded up people and just executed them in the basement of Lubyanka prison in, in, in Moscow. Yeah, they wore leather jackets because you could wash the blood off easily. Yes, yeah. and that became the fashion statement. Trotsky was one of the people. He, he basically commandeered a whole truckload of leather jackets that were supposed to go to the Air Force, and he started strutting around in his own leather outfit, and then it became, you know, like the leather bar uh, 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 fashion statement. Uh, yeah, but didn't, didn't like Berktog Brett... Don leather too because of that. that yeah, kind I think of, yeah. it did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, that's so. What what I tried to do in that article was to set the record straight, uh, because Bolshevism was a Jewish political movement, and and I did it largely by citing uh, a, re, a a book that appeared around the same time. We're talking 15 years ago. Uh, so uh, if you want to call me a prophet, I won't object. Uh, but 15 years ago is also the time when uh, Johannes Rogala von Bieberstein brought out his book, uh, Jüdische Bolshevismus, Jewish Bolshevism, uh, an incredible book, just compiling one statement after the other, largely by Jews bragging about how they supported Bolshevism and how Bolshevism was really the fulfillment of the Jewish messianic promise and how they were going to change the world for the better uh, by doing what they did. Now, one thing you, in, you talk about the book is how in Phil, Phil Roth's novel, which I didn't read, uh, uh, relying on, on your uh, critique of it, is he talks about how um, Charles Lindbergh, uh, I guess in the, pro in the process of keeping us out of the war, <laughs> 
has to impose fascism on the country. Uh, social engineering, uh, it's called, it was the good neighbor policy or something, or good folks program or something, where they ship Jews into the country. And they also, they inundate Jewish neighborhoods with other ethnic groups to assimilate them. And this is supposed to be terrible, uh, according to Roth. But you point out in the book is that this is projection because although Jews weren't subjected to this, the country did subject ethnic Catholics to this type of social engineering. At the hands of uh, one of the most prominent uh, social engineers was the Jew sociologist from the University of Chicago, uh, Louis Wirth. Mm -hmm. He's certainly the architect of the ethnic cleansing of Catholic neighborhoods in Chicago. Certainly. Absolutely. Without, without any doubt. And that led to the, uh, uh, the situation on the south side of Chicago today, uh, which make the murder capital, even on a in a good year, you've got hundreds of people, of black people murdering other black people uh, and, and not being mentioned at all by Black Lives Matter for some strange reason. No, and I also heard that Planned Parenthood stands with Black Lives Matter. So, Well, we knew that. And, and uh, <laughs> it used to be known as the Negro Project. Mm-hmm. Margaret Sanger, uh, uh, with Rockefeller money, proposed uh, solving the Negro problem by uh, eliminating Negroes through contraception and abortion. And yes, that's going on yeah. to this day, to this day. So every, all of these proxy warriors are, are rushing to defend the murder of uh, black children by abortion and the, uh, the genocide of the black race through contraception and all promoting homosexuality, all that transgender stuff, which is going to lead to social chaos. Uh, but it, again, it's where uh, Philip Roth, again, he, uh, he condemns, I guess, these policies being directed at Jews, but when they're directed at the at ethnic Catholics, uh, he, you know, they're, they're fine. It's all, it's, it's done under the name of racial integration and equality. Uh, and, um, so again, it's one of these things where, you know, and if anything, uh, if you, you know, America's entry into the war and the wartime regulations of the economy, uh, censorship, you know, the war information board and all this, all these programs were instituted by the U S government in the name of waging the war in the name of the war effort. Uh, but he, somehow he imagines that, a, a President Lindbergh would impose some sort of fascist state on America at peace. I mean, we all know that war drives these things much more than peace. So, Well, that's what John B. Watson said. If you were looking for examples of social engineering, the first, is, first example is always war. Mm -hmm. uh, and now we have uh, the culture wars uh, as a form of social engineering. You know, the COVID lockdown, all this type of stuff is all forms of uh, psychological warfare, cultural warfare against the majority uh, population of this country, against the majority, the people who elected Donald Trump. That was a majority. Mm -hmm. The um, so in this, uh, you have you know this basically Louis Worth, and you know you you detail that in Slaughter of Cities, where basically you know it's uh, integration and also uh, uh, I guess. Um, Urban renewal is used as a pretext for ethnic cleansing to create the diaspora in, in the suburbia where white people are made, right? That's the, that's right. <laughs> you know, and we're learning now even th these white suburbia, sub suburbias aren't safe because in St. Louis, you saw where they marched on a gated community. Right, right. Uh, you know, and, and then they're attached, attacked as white people pointing a gun at the crowd, even though they're just trying to protect their property. Um uh, you 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 say this Philip Roth is sort of um it's sort of like um Sinclair Lewis's book it can't happen here is uh, where he 
says a right wing dictator seizes seizes power. And I think that's where that quote, I, I think it's apocryphal, but it's Seneca Lewis has a quote. Uh, when fascism comes to America, it will be wrapped in the flag and carrying a cross. Um, we're turning it now, as you're finding out now, it's not necessarily uh, under the cover of Christianity that fascism, fascism is being opposed. It's done, it's red communism under some, you know, some other, under the form, but nevertheless, they're the shock troops. It's, that's what Antifa is. And, and Black Lives Matter is that you know is carrying the civil rights banner to rageous revolutions. Interesting because um, in both cases, uh, race was used to sort of uh, crack or break Catholic uh, ethnic identity because the Catholic Church kind of got on board the integration cult of the '60s, right? And fa failed to recognize that this, this is being used to destroy its its demographic political power. Something you write about in Cardinal your Cardinal Crow biography. Where they were completely oblivious to this, where the, you know, when, when I think you, uh, I think you addressed this directly to Cardinal Kroll, describe what was happening, and he said people can't be told where where they're going to live. Yeah, that was his reaction to this? Yeah, I told uh, uh, Cardinal Kroll was there during the '60s in Philadelphia, mm -hmm. and uh, there was all-out war on Catholics uh, in, in Philadelphia, and he was completely oblivious to what was going on. So the biggest uh, the the parish. Uh, that produced more vocations than any other parish in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia was Most Blessed Sacrament Parish in Southwest Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. And it was uh, eight blocks by eight blocks of row houses. So in very densely populated. And in the 1950s and all the way up to the 60s as well, it had the largest Catholic grade school in the world. 3,000 students in the grade school. And a large rectory, like a five-story rectory, a five-story convent, and a big, big school building. Now, over this period of time, from 19, I think it was 1966 to 1976, the neighborhood was completely ethnically cleansed uh, by black, uh, black migration, through black migration, and a city which would simply not enforce the law when it came to black crime, would not enforce it but would enforce the law if the priest got up and said there's a house for sale on Conestoga Street and uh, is anyone interested in buying it? Uh, so completely uh, duplicitous, uh, and these people were demonized. And so we, the Philadelphia Inquirer was the classic uh, instance of this, and uh, they would talk about this vicious gang called the Dirty Annies, which was all white boys, but there was no indication there might be black gangs there as well. How is this possible? We only have white gangs here. And, and why are they, why is there a white gang? Are they defending themselves against black gang? Well, that never came, came to the fore. So because this place was so densely populated, they got to elect their own state Senator. And his name was Martin uh, Mullen. And uh, he ended up uh, being on the Pennsylvania legislature's uh, budget committee chairman of it and in 1964 he held up the entire state budget because the state wanted to fund contraceptives and he said no well he became the most hated person in philadelphia all of the the wasp elite all of these uh taylor grant taylor grant is there's a waspy name isn't there i mean this, it turns out he's a jew masquerading as a wasp <laughs> And he gives these radio commentaries. Uh, like, like, about, er, like Eric Erickson, right? <laughs> yeah, you know. 
And so these commentaries about attacking people like Martin Mullen. I used to hear him on the radio when I was a kid, when I was a teenager. Uh, and Kroll didn't know what to do. What are you doing? I said, suppose it were the De Beers diamond mine and somebody came in and filled it with water. What would you do? And that's when he said what you quoted. You can't tell people where to live. That was just the way Kroll shrugged the whole thing off. Just completely well, unaware of the covert warfare going on. Yeah. Completely unaware. Completely unaware. Uh, do you know what he wanted me to write about? He wanted me to write about him playing golf with Bob Hope. <laughs> That's ain't that America though? <laughs> I mean this this was the 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 Polak <laughs> who was out of his depth the minute he left the meat department at Kroger's. Do Catholic Poles have the same inferiority complex as Ca Irish Catholics? America well, they, they, there was a big, uh, obviously, with solidarity, there was a big comeback in terms of Polish. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, what's it, uh, Pride, that's probably the wrong word. But, uh, 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 you know, Polish identity, you know, it, 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 it took a, a bounce back. Wojtyla mobilized the, the entire di Polish diaspora in places like America. But unfortunately, what's, what's the legacy? Well, there's a guy named Mitchell... Uh, Radansky, uh, and he's now the appointed the replacement to Robert Carlson, who is the outgoing bishop of St. Louis. Well, uh, Rosansky grew up in Baltimore, and as a result, he became a protege of Cardinal Keeler. Well, you know what that means, don't you? Mm -hmm. Cardinal Keeler is the patron saint of Catholic Jewish dialogue. Mm -hmm. And he wrote a book on covenant uh, something or other that was so bad and so heretical and so much in favor of dual covenant theology that it never got published. It came out and the USCCB, even as liberal as they are and even as, as prone they are to adopting this whole uh, fiasco called Catholic Jewish Dialogue. Even they wouldn't publish it. And now this is the man who's going to take over the reins in in St. Louis. Well, I, I think I heard you make a point in another interview where uh, with Pope John Paul II, because of his Polish you know background, uh, he got drawn into the Cold War. And so he was unable to deal with the Jewish question. Then, of course, his successor, Ratzinger, uh, uh, you know, um, Benedict XVI, is German. Well, he can't address the Jewish question if you're German, of course. So, the again, once the Catholic Church is unable to deal with these agents of cultural subversion, and the same way that the Church now is unable to deal with uh, this culture war because uh, the the culprits, you know, the uh, behind the scene, the uh, the power behind the, you know, uh, behind the curtain, the people behind the curtain, are, are largely Jewish, and so they can't mention that. They have to bl blame, you know, Freemasons, right? So... Well, that's what Vigano did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, so if you're if you're accused of being an anti-Semite, that's the end of the story. You have no recourse. Mm -hmm. it, you're guilty. Uh, you're, you're, it's not even guilty until proven innocent. You cannot be proven innocent once that charge has been leveled against you. The, the, the whole point of my writing the Jewish revolutionary spirit was to contest that charge by saying uh, Catholics are not anti-Semitic. They do not hate Jews because of some type of racial 
uh, uh, determinism, biological determinism. The term is a, 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 a didn't come into existence until 1871 in Germany. So how can you accuse uh, Pope or King Louis the Ninth of being an anti-Semite when the term didn't exist? The church didn't hate these people because of their DNA. How is that possible? Jesus Christ had the same DNA. How can you hate people? All of the all of the church, the beginning, the apostles, they were all Jews. So it's impossible to make a distinction here because of something biological, because there's no distinguishing feature there. But that doesn't mean that there wasn't a, a, a distinguishing feature. That doesn't mean there wasn't a conflict. The conflict was over Logos. The conflict was over. It, it was it was over whether you accept Jesus Christ as the Logos incarnate or and Messiah or or reject him. And if you reject the Logos, you reject the order of the universe and you become a revolutionary. And that's what Jews have been ever since. So is the church anti-Semitic? No. Is the church anti-Jewish? Yes, it has to be. Because basically what happened there was a rejection. The Jews rejected Christ and the Christians had to reject the Jews because of that. And there's no way around this. And I tried to make that distinction. And after 10 years or so on Amazon, I was just banned overnight. I'm not allowed to make that distinction. I'm not allowed to talk. I've been silenced because they can't object to what I said. Now, if you go back to uh, our friend Jim Hoft in St. Louis, uh, Jim Hoft is a fact checker's dream. And you type in the Washington Post and they go in article after, you know, instance after instance where Jim uh, Jim Hoft uh, retails conspiracy theories and fake news. That's why he's a leader. That's why the Jews have appointed him a leader, because they can dismiss the very man they're promoting. OK, they can't do that with me. And so they had to ban the book. And so now people... Uh, the book is still available, okay? It's The Jewish Revolutionary Spirit, and you can get it at culturewars.com or fidelitypress.org. And uh, just between you and me, we're selling more books now than we sold on Amazon. Oh, and, and, get, and, and you, I guess you don't have to, uh, you get more money for it too, right? When you sell them directly, Yeah, right? and we, we're not subjected to their terror, terror policy when it comes to suppliers. They treat suppliers... Uh, very badly. Okay, the customer is always right. So the people who can buy it on Amazon and then say, uh, I don't like it. And Amazon will immediately give them a full refund. They get to keep the book. And we're out both the cost of the book and the postage. No, no recourse, no nothing. Now, uh, it's in the article you talk about, I guess, Roth uh, takes this position, uh, but this is a very common Jewish uh, position is that anti-Semitism or uh, any ill will towards Jews is based on some sort of illness, uh, some sort of bad uh, virus in sort of the mental uh, you know, thought process of the West or Christians, and it's never based on any, anything uh, associated with Jewish behavior. You know, like, like their, their penchant for revolution and sowing discord. But Jews have openly talked about how Bolshevism and revolution is sort of, it's part of being Jewish, right? I mean, right. many Jews have written about this. Uh, but then they, they take the uh, position that, so should anyone criticize this activism, this behavior, this uh, 
Jewish organizations, uh, or, uh, you know, doing this or billionaires funding this, you're labeled an anti-Semite and a Nazi and not someone who you should be listened to and should be banned and excluded, if not worse, from from um, yeah. from, from yeah, that uh, is society. That is a dogma among uh, Jews and their supporters. So George Will once wrote, uh, anti-Semitism has no cause. It just is. Just is. So there's no cause. So that defeats any attempt to have a rational explanation of history. A rational explanation of history would look into the effect that Jewish Bolshevism had throughout Europe in the period following the Russian Revolution, throughout the entire 1920s, when everybody in Europe became aware of the terror that was spread by Jewish Bolshevik organizations like the Cheka uh, in the Soviet Union. That's what brought about the rise of Hitler. It's, he didn't come out of nowhere. It was because the German people uh, were afraid of Bolshevism and an imminent takeover because it all it did happen. Let's face it. It did happen in 1919. We had the Soviet Republic of Bavaria, uh, Eugen Levine and a bunch of uh, Jewish uh, Russian Jews took over Bavaria. And the man who reported on it was Eugenio Pacelli, who uh, was nuncio to Germany and later became Pius XII. And it was uh, Daniel Goldhagen who demonized Pacelli as an anti-Semite because he simply reported that Russian Jews had taken over the Wittelsbach Palace, which he saw with his own eyes. So this is the type of mystification that's got to stop. Okay, there was a reason that this happened. And the reason is Jewish Bolshevism. Yes, it's Kurt Eisner, Rosa Luxemburg, uh, uh, Bella Kuhn. Uh, in Hungary. And, yeah. Uh, you know, so uh, it's, you know, there's a pattern here. <laughs> yes. That they write about, they actually, they boast about, just like when, and you've commented on, on this uh, quite quite frequently, is that Jews take credit for promoting abortion, pornography, gay marriage, and whatever degeneracy is the latest thing. To them, this is liberation. Uh, but when you have the temerity to point out that also oh, you're you're behind these these causes these things that that, that maybe many Americans would associate as sort of degenerative co uh, causes you're you're labeled anti-Semite. Same like right. when um when um a book is written uh, Empire of Their Own right how Jews Jews shaped American culture through their control of Hollywood. So if you point out oh so Jews control Hollywood so you're responsible for what Hollywood produces and if you point that out. They say you're an anti-Semite. No, Neil Gobbler did say he said exactly yeah. that. Mm -hmm. William Cash, a British uh, uh, film guy, qu quoted Neil Gobbler, and then Neil Gobbler called him a, an anti-Semite for quoting him. Mm -hmm. And it was, I think, it was Henry Ford. I think, I think he was correct. He said that the movies are a prelude or a training ground for revolution. Right. That's exactly right. That's what we're witnessing right now. Mm -hmm. So we're witnessing. The, the, the effect that movies like Hunters have. Oh, yeah. people, people who go out into the streets and think they can commit any sort of mayhem as long as it's sanctified by the right politically correct cause. Yeah, Inglorious Bastards, where you, you can capture a soldier and torture him. Or uh, Django Unchained, where you can go and assassinating white people. Uh, these movies are, are again, uh, preparing the public for this. And, Creating sort of a, 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 a ignorant rage, self-righteousness self among blacks, but also a guilt and a weakness among the white majority. So the white majority uh, 
however they're just because i mean yeah you're right i mean but we're told whiteness exists when they can be blamed for something but it can't exist for any purpose of organizing or identity that's right <laughs> so it's a trap but that's yeah, these right. movies move these movies for the past 30 40 50 years have had their effect the same way that you alluded to earlier with the colleges how the colleges have prepared the intellectual ground for this with generation of students coming out uh with a, a sort of uh, i guess orthodoxy and thought about what's right and wrong and the history of these things. Um, and I think someone, you said in an interview that someone was talking about defunding the police. You said the best thing we could do right now would be defund the universities. Right. <laughs> you know, yes. cut them off. That's right. That's right. Because yeah. then you'll, you'll dry up that that's the revolutionary swamp. That mm -hmm. is the outpost in every community, including South Bend, Indiana. That's the revolutionary outpost. Uh, and they, they issued forth in, from Notre Dame and they put in one of their own Pete Buttigieg as as uh, as mayor, and they took over the city. That's how they took over the city. By the way, I know this will come as a shock to you, but Pete is not waiting around to become Secretary of State when Joe Biden becomes president. Pete has accepted a job at Notre Dame University. I predicted this. I predicted this. I was wrong, though. I thought he was going to be chairman of the Gender Studies Program. He's not. He's got some. <laughs> Uh, some uh, uh, Notre Dame Institute for Advanced Studies. He's got a one-year position there. I think this is an admission on his part that Biden's not going to get elected. Yeah, and so what's a Catholic university doing hiring a non-Catholic homosexual? Good question. Oh. <laughs> uh, ask ask uh, Father Jenkins. He's the president. This is a sign that the, the revolutionaries have taken over Notre Dame. Mm -hmm. I, I started, this is where I came in, in this movie. I started off 40 years ago complaining about the, the takeover of Catholic education, and now it's reached its uh, fruition. That was St. Mary's College, right? Yeah, but it was yeah. Notre Dame right across the street. Yeah. I deal with this whole, in terms of the big picture, at the end of Logos Rising, about the whole destruction of Thomism at Notre Dame and how I ended up at the tail end uh, in the last ditch with Ralph McInerney. Well, you know, as you know, Notre Dame was turned over to, uh, to the Rockefellers, as Cardinal Kroll said, it was alienation of church. He, he, he's the one called alienation of church property, right? That's right. Yes, he did. Um, but Hesper got to, you know, to get a photograph next to Martin Luther King, right? And that's what's really important. And by the way, there is a statue of that now in downtown South Bend. Mm -hmm. And I know this will come as a shock to you, but no one has threatened to tear that statue down. <laughs> and what we know about Martin Luther King now, right? Uh, a few things could be spray painted on his statues, couldn't they? Yes, yeah. <laughs> but this proves my point about the civil rights movement as our civic religion. Which, again, is a proxy for, for Jewish power. Well, the civil rights movement was basically the Black-Jewish uh, alliance. It's interesting because that developed out of the, uh, in the wake of the Leo Frank trial and lynching. But you, he, Roth actually mentions this in the book or, uh, where he talks about the, the Leo Frank lynching, as, I guess, as a, an example of brutal anti-Semitism, but then again, he doesn't put this in context, because what was Leo Frank guilty of? Yes, of course, uh, no Jew is ever guilty mm -hmm. of any crime. The ADL is, exists to make sure that uh, that never happens. Yes, right. Uh, uh, you know, poor Mary, uh, does, does he mention the name Mary Fagan in the book? 
That's a good question. It's been uh, 15 years since I read the book, so I don't remember. Okay, I'm just wondering because if her name... I you, doubt very much that he mentions Mary Fagan. If a uh, 13-year-old Mary Fagan is even worth a mention, but they get, then again, Mary Fagan wasn't a member of B'nai B'rith, nor was she Jewish, so she no. doesn't rank too high. No. So, so, so um, I've had you over an hour now. Um, <laughs> so any, any final comments on the article? The article covers a lot of ground. I definitely recommend it. Um, it it's good to... I would say it's a great read to following your, your two articles on the Hunter series. Um, That's because, what I thought. That's why yeah. I put it in. I resurrected it. It, it basically appeared 15 years ago, and I wanted to uh, – it's still as timely as ever because there uh, – was it Amazon that brought out the series? Anyway, one of those tech yeah. yeah, was Amazon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Amazon is now the propaganda ministry for the revolutionaries. That's what it is now. That's why I'm no longer on Amazon books. Yeah, and it's, of course, owned by Jeff Bezos, who – <laughs> so, uh, it also owns the Washington Post. So yes, but so I don't I don't expect this article to be put made into an ebook on Amazon anytime soon. Then. <laughs> no, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Uh, so I you're, are you? I said you were uh, in your video about this. You are coming up with the ways to develop your own ebooks, though. Yeah, there are other platforms, but uh, yeah. Amazon controls eighty-seven percent of the book market. So they have a yeah. monopoly position. We're go- we'll bring it up. It'll be on another platform. It will be available. All of my books are available at fidelitypress.org, culturewars.com. Well, Dr. Jones is the free market. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> free market. Ha. Ha. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure Google got, Google got no funding from EQTEL, which was CIA and NSA. So. <laughs> so, I love what they, what they call free market. It's like free speech, right? It's yeah. It suits them. They support it. Yeah. Just about as accurate as saying we have free speech. Yeah. So, okay. Well, the, again, the article, uh, uh, we get to the top of the page here. I'm sorry. Cause it's, uh, oh, there we go. The article is through the looking glass, the guilty flea where none pursueth the plot against America. It's a review of the Philip Roth novel, a plot against America. It's in the June edition of culture wars. I recommend it. Of course, um, you can also go there Get a subscription to the magazine as well as purchase um, Logos Rising, A History of Ultimate Reality, as, as, as also the other books that we mentioned, The Jewish Revolu- Revolutionary Spirit, more relevant than ever as uh, the nation seems, seems to be descending into a civil war, uh, all planned from, from, uh, from the top. Uh, so um, anything else? I think we covered it. Well, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for coming back on the show. Thank you, Tim. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. So enjoy the long, hot summer. <laughs> See what happens. And, the, and Saharan, uh, the Saharan dust cloud is now passing over us. Okay, yes. So, okay, thank you so much. Good night, then. Uh, I'll post this soon. I'll do us any of the link. Thank you. Good night, then. Good night. Bye-bye.